Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning and welcome to Cookspeak. If I got the name of the show right, that's always a good start. Uh, see if I get my name right now. My name is Chef Tom Toten, and it is Sunday, I think I already did that, September the 6th, right? Yeah, I think it's the 6th. We'll go with the 6th. It's a nice round number. Uh, 2015, they tell me, and uh, Labor Day weekend. And my special guest today is from right around the corner here at the Pittsburgh Public Market, where we now sit at 2401 Penn Avenue, the heart of Pittsburgh's historic strip district. If you don't say historic, you get like a fine or something, so. I'm not up for that. But right from right around the corner from Hillcrest Urban Farm is Dana Lanius. Welcome. Hello. All right. Now, tell us a little, give us a little history of uh, Hillcrest and, and how that came about. I know that's probably a, a little bit of a journey, but, you know, take your time with that and how that okay. unfolded. It is a long history, so I'll Go right ahead. try to keep it short, maybe. Um, let's see. Hillcrest has a really long history. So the farm itself uh, is built on reclaimed urban, uh, previously abandoned land mm-hmm. that the, at the time, in uh, 2004, when my business partner and longtime good friend, Maria Graziani, she stumbled upon it uh, while walking her dog one day. She lived no, in, in the neighborhood in Garfield. Garfield. Um, actually in the blocks between Hillcrest and Kincaid and Atlantic and Pacific for anybody who knows the area. So she was walking her dog. She stumbled on this open land, kind of a, a field uh, surrounded by a wood line. And at the time, it was a neighborhood dump. So uh, people were dumping, you know, old couches, tires, yeah. uh, any, all that kind of stuff. There apparently was a pile of metal parking meters that somebody had taken up there, busted out the flat parts, took all the quarters. So Maria at the time was uh, working in urban planning with, I forget which CDC it was, but she was doing grant writing for mm-hmm. um, neighborhood development and things of that sort. So she had access to and, and the knowledge to figure out who owns these lots and what was happening. Right. So she did that and found that most of them were owned by the URA or the city um, I think maybe some of them at the time were owned by the BGC, the Bloomfield Garfield Corporation. So she just did the work to uh, figure out, you know, how much they costed or what it would take to clean them up. Uh, so she did all that. She delved into all the different neighborhoods. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> but she worked with a lot of the neighborhood groups, um, uh, different youth groups and other, other people, volunteers and stuff, people who would come, and they slowly began to clean it up. She then uh, wrote some grants to acquire some of the first few lots. And at the time, they were very, in, I mean, they're very inexpensive. And uh, Pittsburgh has the side lot program, where if you own a lot, you can purchase the adjacent lot for maybe 50% of mm-hmm. what it's 
So she did that work for the first uh, year to clean it up, start piecing it together, working with um, summer youth programs and had kids up there. In 2005, I was living out west. In 2005, I came back to visit and um, and stayed for, for a while and worked on the farm. And we had uh, summer youth groups that were up there, I think, three times a week. Mm-hmm. And it was really great. Cause with the, and they were teenagers, so with the kids, we, we built a composting toilet system, and uh, we harvested mulberries and did a lot of things that a lot of city kids don't get to do. Mm-hmm. We built a garden, and we ate salads from the garden. We talked about food, and we found that a lot of the kids um, didn't really have a relationship with uh, vegetables. If they yeah. lived with their grandparents, they did. They ate more prepared foods and meals at home. Real food. Real yeah. food. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, but a lot of them didn't. And so it was inspiring for both Maria and I to be in that role of sharing food, but also sharing the concept of being able to grow your food for yourself, you know, and what that looks or what that means um, in terms of, you know, freedom and independence and things like that. Sure. So that started a big, uh, I don't know, just inspiration for both of us to do that kind of work and have a space where folks can learn about uh, gardening. So, again, I was living out west, um, but that was Maria's goal for a while. So she built a few gardens along with some volunteers and um, some folks that she knew through different circles would come and garden there. And But her big goal was to get the, the neighborhood of Garfield, you know, and especially those younger people to come mm-hmm. and want to garden. And it was really hard to kind of get that, really going it's and having a lot of, of energy behind it. Part it's, of it's, it's a bit of a shock. It's a bit of a culture it is. shock. It's a culture shock. And also when you're not... Processed foods. Well, and when you're not from a neighborhood, a neighborhood that has a lot of history, a lot of generations of families there, yeah. um, you know, you're an, you're an outsider. Mm-hmm. And so it's sometimes it's hard to bridge that, that gap or, you know, cross that barrier. Sure. So, but that is how Heelcrest sort of came into being and what it was for the first few years. Um, and Maria is also an herbalist uh, as part of her background. So she did take some time to, you know, build some herb gardens, you know, for herself and the products that she, she made. So um, then sort of with some of the disheartening feelings of, of not being able to have the full neighborhood support and, being, and getting involved, um, I think, you know, the, the, the farm itself sort of just went a little dormant for a couple of years as mm-hmm. Maria focused on other things in her life. She had a child. Um, and I was living in Portland at the time uh, studying sustainability and food systems. That's my thing, my background. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just time to move back home. It was just time to come back. So I was living in Portland. Um, and I just was ready to leave. Make the move, yeah. And I knew I didn't want to move. To, I moved around a lot, moved around my whole life. Uh, but I knew I didn't want to live. I didn't want to go to a new place. I wanted to go back to Pittsburgh. And so um, Maria and I had spoke. We always stayed in touch. And I was telling her how I was 
feeling, and she said, well, you know, I could really use your help here, and Pittsburgh is, um, there's some really great things going on in town right now, and, and Heelcrest, and, and I could really use your help if you wanted to come back. And um, so I did. You know, I thought about it for a while, and it felt right, and so I did. I, you know, did what you do when you tie up loose ends, and I moved back to Pittsburgh. And that was in summer 2011. And uh, I love the city. I'm, I'm so glad to be back home. Um, and so when I returned, we re-envisioned the farm. And um, Maria, with her herbalism background, was making a product that, that she would sell on uh, Etsy. And it seemed a natural fit. We had a, we had a long conversation about uh, the farm and moving forward, and it seemed a natural fit. The teas, the teas that she made especially um, were, were pretty big sellers on Etsy. And so we had a conversation. We said, let's, let's phase out these other things that you're doing, the staff and the teachers. They're great. They don't sell that well. There's other people in town that also do them really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the teas sell really well. As far as we know, we're the only people that make original tea blends, grow the herbs, make original tea blends in, in the city. Yeah. So let's go with that. Let's focus on that. So we did. We, we um, fallowed a couple of the fields. We built a new garden. Um, we planted herbs, specifically lots of perennials, um, and focused on Heelcrest becoming an herb farm. And so we did that. We got that that all rolling. Um, we generally keep a small vegetable garden that's just for our use. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wanted to focus on herbs for production and for for profit. So at the, in the in the beginning, Hillcrest was a nonprofit. We closed the nonprofit and we built uh, a for-profit business, an LLC. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a new designation right now that's the L3C, which is um, social enterprise, it takes into account the triple bottom line, people, planet, profit. Mm-hmm. So we are working on having that designation as, a, as an L3C because we want to, we are socially minded people, we will always be that way, and um, we, we feel that the farm itself needs to continue some sort of a, a social mission. Right. Um, so... We um, we did that. We shifted into complete, like you know, completely making tea. Mainly, we took things off of Etsy and developed a website, that's a commercial website where you can you know shop online. All the things you do when you're trying to be serious about your business. Right. So we did all of that. Um, we started getting out to events. Uh, Farm to Table invited us to a spring. Uh, sampling event, and we did that. It was the first time we made prepared tea, took it and sampled it and let people try it. It was a really fun experience, and it was uh, really gratifying to experience people's reactions when they tasted it, and so we were like, we we enjoy this. Let's let's do more of this. So that's what we did for the first couple years. We got into events when we had the opportunities. they were small friends that we knew might be hosting something, um, and they would invite us to be a vendor. And so we kind of grew in that way. And then, uh, um, well, then 
we got the inspiration to make the popsicles. It seems kind of a good Great fit idea. for our teas. Yeah. And originally we were thinking, let's make, um, that's where the name tea pop came from, because we were thinking, let's make tea, bre- you know, brews, and then maybe pair them with something, maybe not, and, um, and make the pops with our tea blend. So we did that for the first year that we, we um, got the inspiration in, oh gosh, in 2012. We played with recipes all winter, and um, I randomly was online looking for grants and things and came across the Awesome Pittsburgh Foundation. Their grant application process is extremely easy. I encourage everybody to do it if you have an idea that you think would help make Pittsburgh a greater, a better yeah, city than they're, they're, they're really cool. It's, just, it's 10 people who put up every month $100 of their money, and then they award $1,000 to an, an organization or a group that they choose. And it's, it's really great. I mean, it's, of course, it's not a ton of money. You're not going to run a huge program with it. But if you are looking, and what we were doing is we were looking to buy, a, a, we needed a freezer. We needed mm-hmm. a, a rolling freezer that we could take to market. So we, that's, that's, what the, that's what the grant application was all about. And Big we Bertha. Were, that is yeah. Big Bertha. <laughs> yep, Big Bertha. She's, she's a beast. And uh, we were awarded the, the grant. And that gave us all kinds of wonderful connections with these uh, um, awesome you know, awesome Pittsburgh uh, trustees, and mm-hmm. and then um, they, and then from knowing us, we would be invited to other events, and so you know how things, how connections yeah. grow, and build more connections for grow. you. And we actually got some uh, new spots on uh, uh, KDKA and uh, WPXI, um, so that was really great. We actually had uh, the KDKA news team came out to the farm one really snowy <laughs> January day. January. It was so cold. And we even told them, we're like, this is not the wow. time to come visit the farm. But they did. Um, they got they got really cold. Their toes got numb. Um, but, yeah, it was great. It was great to have them up there. And, yeah, it was very cold. So um, in the spring of 2012, we, we hit the, you know, we hit the city with the, the pop cart. And, um, and I guess, I don't know, that's kind of been – sort of a, just a growth from that. We continue to develop other products. Our whole thing is that we just want to make fun ways for you to eat your herbs. Mm-hmm. And through this experience, you know, Marie and I grew up a lot uh, with around people who cooked, you know, yeah. and people who kept gardens. And mm-hmm. so it, to us, it's just second nature. We learned that it's not, it's not everybody's reality. Some people really have no idea what stage is or what basil is right. or, you know, certainly not like mugwort or echinacea or, you know, more obscure medicinal herbs. So we, you know, we just want to make fun ways for folks to get herbs into their diet. And tasty ways, too. Yeah. The first time I tried that, the tea pops is at the old market. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, wow, this is, I never tasted anything like that. It was just, it was like a, this vibrant glass. It was just so refreshing and it was just terrific. Do you remember what it was? Uh, I don't. I don't. I just know there was there was some uh, there was some green herb in it. I know that. Mm. Either thyme or basil. Mm. But man, because I I love I love fresh herbs anyway. Yeah. Especially basil. So I'm drinking right now the uh, the holy basil iced tea here, which is just phenomenal. That's our newest so newest 
it's not really a blend because it's a single, mm. one single herb, but we have dried pouches of the holy basil healthy mm. tea. So wow. folks can take it home and enjoy it. Actually, that, the Pittsburgh Public Market in the Terminal Building was our first, you know, gig mm-hmm. with the pop cart. That was the first place that Big Bertha went to. Yeah. So, and I remember Tiffany, the previous um, manager, was the first person who ever had our popsicles, aside from our friends and family who tasted them while we were making them. Um, And she had the pear lavender popsicle. I remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was a really good one. So that was, yeah, that was the summer of 2013. And here we are, kind of ending the season 2015. We um, since then got into the City Parks Farmer's Markets, which some of them have a pretty long waiting list. We think, waited for two or three years maybe to get oh, okay. into the East Liberty Market. Wow. We got into that last year, um, which is really nice because that's our neighborhood. It's really great right to say, oh, the farm is just over the hill. Right. You know, right. We also do the Bloomfield Farmer's Market. Um, Still on Thursdays? That one is actually, so the Thursday market doesn't exist anymore. Bloomfield Development Corporation has started a Saturday morning market in uh, the Grove Street parking lot. It's really successful. Mm-hmm. It's a really good time. Um, Christina Howell is a, a market coordinator. She does an excellent job. Bloomfield does not grow apart. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's a wonderful <laughs> market. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. So, yeah. So that's what that's kind of that's how it's been. And then this summer, our, our newest or our biggest thing was to open up full time in the Pittsburgh public market. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Since community down here with the other vendors, and yeah, set up really some cool. It's great. We originally we had talked to Kelly, the kitchen manager, about renting commercial kitchen space. We were getting to the point where we needed to move out of where we were. We were just starting to outgrow it, and um, we. We had been running a church kitchen, and they're wonderful. They treat us so great, but it just we needed more space. So we looked into the commercial kitchen here. We kind of did the math when it came to the amount of hours that we needed and and started to think that it would be better if we built our own mini kitchen in a 10 by 10 booth space at the market. So that's what we did. We, uh, we got all the things that you need, and we made ourselves a kitchen. So it's our production kitchen. I... I really enjoy being here. I love, um, it's really great to just be around other vendors and other producers, other small business owners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's great to be inspired and motivated, and and we do it all the time. You know, I made a certain flavor combination that uh, Sarah from Cafe de More was like, oh, that's a great flavor combination, so she made a shrub of that same combination, uh, and yeah. that kind of thing happens. We, um, some of the, the vendors come to me for uh, fresh herbs that they then use in their products, and I love that. That's, mm. you know, one of, to me, one of the best ways to get other people to eat herbs is to have chefs, um, you know, cook with them, prepare with them. So, um, and I love, I just, I, yeah, it, everything it's generally pretty pretty great here. I know it's like a simple thing, but I absolutely love the loading dock. There's oh, yeah. like some things that yeah. just make your life so much easier That's true. that yeah. you don't realize how great it's gonna be until you until you have it. Um and I love having the ability to come and go and just kind of see what other people are doing and it's great when you're 
uh, inspired by something and you have other uh, vendors that you can bounce ideas off of. Um, yeah, it's like a big yeah. family down here, really. It seems to be as an outsider. Yeah, I think so. And I think, yeah, I think generally most of us get along really well. Um, yeah, we enjoy hanging out with each other after market closes. Mm-hmm. So The after show, as it were. The after show, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great place for just inspiration and motivation and and also just kind of the down-home sort of reality check kind of mm-hmm. stuff because there's nothing like people around you to kind of hold you accountable and keep you responsible, you know? You got your Yeah, right. so it's good. Yeah, and I, I think there's like a mild competition, but it's that good kind of competition that kind of keeps us all it's sharp. motivated, you know? So I think we all we all want each other to succeed in the, at the same time. And I see it happen a lot with the guys in the main aisle who uh, serve, serve prepared food. They have this uh, real, like, brotherly competition yeah, right, going on sure. with each other all the time. Uh, and it's, it's fun. It makes for a little morale boosting yeah. sometimes, you know. Uh, talk a little bit about your, uh, it's interesting to me, too, is the uh, herb infused syrups. Okay. Well, we've started to make shrubs as well. And they have, a, like, a syrupy consistency. We were doing... Um, simple syrups, and I do make some of those still, but the simple syrups don't have the shelf life that the shrubs do. So I do make the urban fuse simple syrups to use at the booth here and to take out to market. And they're really delicious, um, and they're really easy to make. So if you're making simple syrups anyway, you know, it's just one in one, water and sugar. And then you can take fresh or dried herbs and kind of and just allow that to steep in the syrup the same way you would steep a tea. Mm-hmm. And the flavors come out really nice and, and give an extra, just a little something to the simple syrup. So recently I made lemon balm, simple syrup, and lemon balm is a delicious yeah. uh, plant it's in itself. It's got a, its own sweetness and its own bright lemony flavor. Uh, citrusy flavor, and so I made lemon balm infused mm-hmm. simple syrup. It's so good, delicious to like mm-hmm. make your lemonade with or yeah. put in anything wow. really. So those are fun, but um, Maria's been playing around with uh, shrubs, and so that's describe what a shrub is. So a shrub is a old style preservation method, and you know a lot of the old school things are coming back. We're getting into like canning and drying and curing and all of that, the artisanal sort of things we call artisanal now, just, you know, the way we always used to do things. Yeah. So shrubs, shrubs are just that of preservation method that is basically simple syrup, um, but adding vinegar. So you might do, we, we make ours with uh, fruit and herbs, sugar and vinegar. And, um, and that's about it. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Pretty simple. And the, but the vinegar helps to preserve um, and keep the the sugar and everything in there preserved. So And it can be canned, um, but I don't think it always needs to be. But I'm learning. So it's, it's kind of something that we're learning more about as we go, and we're tasting other people's shrubs. There's other people that make them. They're starting to get more popular. Um, Tate Farms is one of our inspirations. They are a farm, 
and they and they make a bunch of products. And shrubs are one of the products that they make that is very popular oh. for them. And um, they also do preserves and things like that. So we're inspired by a lot of things they do, and we're inspired by the the old old ways of doing things that are becoming new trends. So that's sort of that's how we started playing around with the with the shrubs because we started with the urban fuse simple syrup and then realized that it needs a, a longer shelf life because simple syrup needs to be refrigerated. So so that's how that evolved. And uh, right now we have some shrubs um, that are bottled and ready to go. We've got um, plum oregano, mulberry mullein, and blueberry basil. And what type of a uh, portion, like if you buy something, is that for like a four-ounce type thing or much? It's really it like, a long way, right? yeah, you can do like a half an ounce or an ounce. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of up to your own taste, you sure. know, kind of what kind of flavor profile you're looking for. You can mix them with sparkling water, mix them with your tea, make, you know, make a cocktail with them. Yeah. And then they're also syrupy enough that you can drizzle them on like cheesecake or ice cream or something like that, you know, finish off your favorite dessert with them. So, and they have, because of the vinegar, they have that tart, a tartness, uh, but they're like a, they're like sweet, tart, fruity. Just balanced. They're fun. Yeah, they're good. Uh, I also wanted to mention that on your website, the pictures on your website are incredible. Oh. Really, really good stuff. Great. Really, especially with the artists. It's just, it's just really. Uh, I just thought that was terrific. Now you want to talk about the aquaponics too? You, you guys have done? Yeah, we uh, this yeah this past fall. So everything that we, so many things that we're able to accomplish with Healcrest come because of great relationships with people. Mm. We've had just through the history, we've had a lot of different folks. Um, just come through in a way that, you know, meets their needs but also meets, meets our needs. We um, we wanted to keep bees up there, and I was looking into the bird bees courses to take so that we could learn how to do that. And at the same time, there was a couple, Jen and John, they're awesome. They gave us a call and they said, we just completed the bird bees course. We don't have a space to keep bees. Can we keep these at your farm? And we were like, absolutely. Sure, yeah. That's great. And the bees have added such... Um, um, it's been amazing what the bees have been able to do for the plants. And having them up there, we've just been able to see. So we know that we want bees up there all the time. But it's been those kinds of relationships. Um, and I couldn't go through all of them because there would be so many. But it's been those kind of relationships that have allowed us to kind of uh, grow and evolve at the farm. And so it was the same kind of relationship with the aquaponics system. Uh, Colleen from Seed Aquaponics, she has a nonprofit that and that's what they do. They build aquaponics systems um, all over the world, kind of at this point. Um, and uh, she builds them with people, and then they end up having being able to have the system and care for it, and and um, you know get the benefits of it. So and there's some education in there. So she contacted us because she was looking for a site to build a. Um, almost like a, I don't know what the right word is, but like a demo, like an mm-hmm. aquaponics demo site. She wanted to build a system that uh, she could then bring groups to or and things like that, and we had the space. 
and we had wanted one for a while. We uh, two years previous, uh, we had spoken with somebody else about building an aquaponic system. So it was something we wanted, something that had been on our minds. Um, so Colleen called us in, I think maybe last October or November. We started, uh, you know, putting the logistics together and we broke ground and ground in a greenhouse in December. And Colleen and her team, she had a wide variety of volunteers and groups that came through on very cold weekends over last, I mean, we all know what last winter was like, very cold weekends up at the farm um, in the greenhouse building the system. And so, and our, our, one of our goals was to get a, a different kind of environment for some of the herbs that struggle out in the field. Um, and even might struggle in the greenhouse. And yeah, and so the you know the system is designed. We have a I don't know what the dimensions of it are. It's probably four by eight. Um, yeah, probably four four feet by eight feet, and then about um, six feet tall. So we have a tank that goes down into the ground, uh, and that's where the fish live. Right now we have bluegill. Uh, we're looking to get, uh, we were going to get tilapia, but tilapia are actually not from um, the region, and we'd like to stick with regional fish. So right now we have bluegill, and I believe at, at some point when, when we're able to get them, we're going to get perch, which are uh, more of this uh, bioregion. So we have bluegill in the tank in the bottom, and then um, there's a system that brings water up to the top. It's almost built like a bunk bed. Actually, so if you can imagine that, oh, cool. where the bottom bunk sure. is the water tank, and then the upward bunk is actually kind of a bunk. It's just a little, it's a deep table with some, um, I forget what they're called, but they're like these uh, porous rocks uh-huh. that hold water and, and heat and things like that. And um, so we've planted herbs in the rocks. The, uh, the pump pumps the water up, it feeds the bed on the top, um, it flushes through through the bed to the other side, and then comes back down into the water tank again. So it's a whole cycle. We uh, feed the water tank with um, rainwater mainly, but the last month and a half or so it's been so dry here that we have to use uh, city water. So we have to off-gas the kind of, I say off-gas, but, you know, but it, like, sits for a while, and it does, it off-gas. You can smell the stuff coming out of our water. It is treated after all. Yeah, it's treated water. So oh, yeah. you have to let all that go before you put it right in the tank because it will um, throw off the the normal um, pH and then the balances. So, so uh, we've been having to feed it with with city water. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how that came to be. Uh, they built it over... December, January, February, mainly. Tough months. Actually, I would say January. I think it was so cold that they didn't. There wasn't a lot of work being done. But I believe. Can't remember when we got it all finally up and running. Um, I think in April. So built it over the winter and in spring, it was ready to go. So we've had fish all summer, and it's been fun to see the earth grow, and. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what it's like season after season. It's pretty permanent. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's going, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> and uh, Hillcrest, you guys also do CFA. We we do well, sort of. We mm-hmm. did a CFA 
um, for the first time last season or last winter. And it was a cold season CSA that we had uh, we had partnered with a, a kind of a working friend of ours who has um, cutting root apothecary. So Michelle is also an herbalist. And she specializes more in the medicinal side of things. Mm-hmm. She makes tinctures and salves and um, medicinal tea blends, things like that. So we did a CSA together where we had heel crest products and the cutting root apothecary product. And we did it from, I think it was from November, November to April. It might have been October to April. So um, we did. We had a small turnout. It was it was always a lot of fun to prepare the boxes. I personally love CSA. Um, I managed a multi-farm CSA in Arizona for uh, a few years, and I love I love that model. Um, so we we haven't yet we I can't find my words at the moment. So we did our CSA last winter and kind of decided to not do it again. Um, it seems that maybe it was more work than reward, in, yeah. you know. Um, but lately, and being at the market has made me think a lot more about it again. Because I'm right across from Clarion River Organics. I see all of their CSA numbers. They have hundreds. Um, and then I'm also surrounded by other products and other product makers. So it has me in that thought again about CSA or more like a monthly subscription Mm -hmm. box, which those things are becoming really popular right now, Nature Box, Birch Box, you know, all these things that you subscribe to, you give them their profile, and they make your box and you ship it to you. So it does have me thinking about that again, Um, but it may be too late in the season to start it for uh, a cold season. So I'm I'm just, it's funny that you bring it up because just recently I've been like, We'll Mulling it over again, um, and so we may, we may or may not. You know, I think it's something to really look at the, the logistics and the numbers again. Um, but being here at the market gives everybody a great site to come and pick up your box, or so it does have me, it does have the wheels turning again. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of which, you guys are in, your products are in a fair amount of uh, places around town. You guys are pretty. Uh, you're out there uh, widely uh, widely located. We are. Well, good. I mean, that's farmers, what we hear. Farmers, mm-hmm. stores. Yeah, and we love doing wholesale. That is really our um, – we just love it. It's, it's, uh, it's great to have another person be able to kind of distribute your product through their store or cafe or sure. whatever it is. When when other people like you enough to want to carry your products in their place, it's really great. So we are in um, the 52nd Street Market. Deirdre and Dora are awesome, um, so everybody should go shop there. Um, we're at the 52nd Street Market in Lawrenceville. Uh, we're in the Bryant Street Market in Highland Park. Um, we have a lot of East End locations. So being East Enders, that is sort of where we are most. I'd love to see us get out in the other quadrants mm-hmm. um, and the other areas. And and we're, you know, we're slowly making our making our ways. We we just got uh, picked up in Southside at Amazing Yoga Cafe, oh, which is really yeah. great. And it was kind of cool how that came to be um, because at the moment I forget, I forget her name, but um, she's the owner of Amazing Yoga, and she is a farmer's market customer. Mm-hmm. So she came to our booth on a Monday at the East Liberty Market, 
and was getting popsicles, and she, you know, she had said something about um, they were thinking of making them for their cafe, and I said, well, we we sell them wholesale if you're interested in carrying ours, and and they were, so they gave us a call, and so it's it's great how things like that happen. You remember the connections gonna be made. Yeah, and she and and she still comes to the comes to the booth every week too, so it's great. Um, we're yeah, we're in Alaska. Biddle's Escape. Can't think of them all Where right now. Is, where is that? That's Region Square. Oh, Region it is Square. a really Get over there very often. huge. Love that part though. Yeah, and their little spot is great. They've got a nice. They've got a patio. They do uh, at least. I don't know if they're doing it this oh, summer, but at least right. in the past they've done like a food truck Wednesdays sort of thing. But what type um, of business is it? It's a cafe. they okay. they serve. Um, they do uh, coffee and tea. They have a like a small menu. And uh, you can get like Klondike bars and a coffee. Really? Movie. Oh. Yeah. They're, and it's a great um, environment, like ambiance. Yeah. So it's really great. I, yeah, and I cannot, it, it's Biddle. And I don't know what the cross street is. Biddle's Escape, though. Biddle's Escape is the name of it. And it's on Biddle. Yeah. It's a, it's a cute, little, cute little spot. Um, so, yeah, we're always kind of working our way into new places. We also are just now in um, Every Day is a Sunday, which is uh, an ice cream shop on Center Avenue in East Liberty. Um, so, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally escaping me. Um, our tea blends, so we do a lot of popsicles. We do a lot of pops at, at, at the grocery. But we also we also do wholesale with our tea blends, whether it's um, pouches or whether it's uh, tea for service. And so recently, two places have just opened up that carry our tea for service. Um, Cafe de Moore, who's also in the Pittsburgh Public Market, has recently, Sarah's recently opened up um, a, a cafe storefront on Butler. Oh, is it open up? It's open. Oh, I didn't know so that. So go, go check out Sarah, and, um, and she is serving um, some of our tea. She's serving the salty tea oh, and... Right. Um, and mint. So they're, they're two um, complete, just herbal, straight herbal blends. And then Vance Tea Bar on Penn Avenue in Garfield. You got to go check out this place because these guys renovated this. They did their building renovation completely green. So really? it's all done with. Uh, How easy to do? It's all done with cob, I think. Well, I think one of the things that Jack was telling us, um, Jack and Brett, yeah, they. It's it's part of their background too, I believe, and so they were just kind of doing the numbers. What would it cost to do it, sort of like the normal way you do it, you know, mm-hmm. drywall and whatever. And then what would be the cost if we did it more like ecologically sound or whatever you want to call it? So it was just it was it was better. Not only was it energy more energy efficient, but it was you know better money. Yeah, it's on Penn Avenue. Right on Penn Avenue. Oh, Bantha Tea Bar. Bantha Tea Bar. It's a couple doors down from the K2 convenience store. All right. And they are serving, I believe, six or seven of our tea blends. So. And with tea, too, as a chef, um, people, some people may not know that with, like, high-quality tea that, that you guys are making, you can cook with that, too. And it's just awesome. You can come up with, like, you can even poach poach a fish in, like, you, you like something that's very, like, uh, basil straw, for instance, basil or thyme or lavender, another great, right? Just post your your favorite piece of fish. Say, say salmon, like probably my favorite. 
slightly poached some salmon in that, and you don't need a sauce, and that's your sauce right there. You just leave it right in in the bowl, or after you poach, just put the tea, and it's just phenomenal. That sounds great. Oh, uh, yeah. Brown rice or quinoa mm-hmm. or something. So, and, or your vegetables. You can put it in your vegetables too, and uh, just cooking with tea too. It's just very. Uh, it's obscure to some folks. Yeah, I actually never even thought of it, oh, yeah. you know, until um, Ed over at Steve's Deli here mm-hmm. for the public market came around the corner and he, you know, he said, you know, I'm making this mushroom sauce and I'm wondering if you have any tea or herbs that, you know, might be good for mm-hmm. that. And I was like, hmm, I don't know, you know, but I'm thinking maybe something a little earthy, you know, mushrooms. And so I, I said, well, our goddess tea blend is is pretty earthy. It's got sage and motherwort, and um, so I just gave them a little yep. a little container. I was like, watch, just try that, see what that's like. Yeah. And he said it came out. It was great. Yep. It came out beautiful. We'll be getting more to go do it again. So yeah, that really that was cool because I hadn't I do so much with the tea blends, but I don't cook with them, and that that was a a good idea, good inspiration. You can even make a crust out of it. So just keep the tea dry and make a crust. That's the base of your crust. And then put in another herb, so like say like a little, a little bit of pepper in it or or whatever, anything, even paprika to hold it together or whatever, just to uh, spread it out a little bit. And then put that on your fish or your chicken or something, it's a little crust. Excellent. Yep. Yeah, I do I do herb, herb crusted things sometimes. It really, mm-hmm. just adds a lot of flavor, and you don't need these thick, heavy sauces that can sometimes uh, just just get boring. With but uh, that that just, just makes everything taste better. Talk a little bit about too about the entrepreneurial experience, uh, experience really, of starting your own business. And there's so many hoops that you have to jump through, and uh, like you mentioned before about uh, Maria with the grant writing, which is really a, a big talent in itself because I've heard so many people that it really it takes a special touch to write because they have to be written properly and first of all to get noticed first of all and just just talk about the whole experience in broad strokes hmm. <laughs> it's, that's, that's interesting I do not feel like an entrepreneur or a business person by nature mm-hmm. it's that that's not I think I've developed it in this project, um, but I am more of the creative. I'm a service person and a creative person, and so my real gifts are being out with the people, with the products, and you know, talking to the people. Right. Um, Maria is the one who is our business manager. Um, she and she has the knack for it. You know, she's got the mathematical brain. She gotta have that. Yeah, you really need it. So while while she was pregnant with her son, she um uh put herself uh through school for her master's. Uh she got an MBA. Wow. And she did that specifically to be able to be savvier about business, especially as it related to heel press. And so um that's kind of what she was doing during that dormant period at the farm. She was working on her, you know, personal business knowledge and um, getting a degree at Carlisle. So I definitely, I've, I've seen the, I, you know, I, can, I see her skill in that when it, you know, when it comes to the, when it comes up. Because it's not a knack, it's not really a knack that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I will say that we've both learned a lot, um, and I think you have to, you know, oh, you have to you have to learn from the things that you do. So, you know, nothing's really a mistake. It's, it's either, you know, just it's a learning opportunity. And so we or sometimes it's like, okay, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. <laughs> what else? We you do? know. So <laughs> exactly. And so we've done a lot of that. We've developed. Um, you know, what better ways to make decisions, um, especially when it involves, you know, when it involves business, if we're going to go to an event or not, um, there's things that we have to really look at in the structure of things to know if it's going to be worth it for us or not. Um, and those kinds of things, you know, having to just make choices around even something simple like, you know, packaging, but you know that at the end of the day, it's going to cost you X amount of dollars and that's going to raise up the price of your product. You know, those are all the things that, um, you know, we have to we have to think about. And again, I am not the, the spreadsheet person, but but I would say those the creative aspect of, uh, and the uh, collaborative uh, talents you have too. I think that all is a part of the entrepreneurial because it's such a wide ranging. Because you have to you have to wear a lot of hats sometimes. And sometimes and maybe it comes sometimes you have to learn about more about the numbers and Maria will have to learn more about it, things like that. And it's just just amazing the way it just keeps evolving, right? Yeah. And you're right, that is exactly what's happening. That I'm having to learn about these things and I do find that um I I like it. I care about it. I'm I I have a little bit of a brain for it, I'm realizing. Um but yeah, definitely kind of being out in the world. And the way that we relate to the public and our patrons, um, that is my real strong suit. And But you're right, that is a huge part of being a, a business person or having a product. Um, so those are the things that I really care about, building those relationships. Um, you know, hopefully. Again, like I said, we, every, all the growth that we've been able to do has has happened because of some great relationships along the way. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me, too, in Pittsburgh, there just seems to be more and more of that, more of a collaborative effort with people just, you know, helping each other out, and whether it's here at the public market or it's at the farmer's markets or church festivals, school festivals, things like that, or even like a pickle thing that they had on the bridge. Yep. You know? I mean, it's just, just a lot of fun stuff going on. And uh, so many creative, talented people that are jumping in and, and getting their feet wet. Yeah, I agree, and I see that a lot at the market, and if you're, like you said, at the farmers market. It's nice. It's nice to see that. Um, I feel like most of us really, you know, we want each other to succeed, and we know that that somebody else's success might also help our success sure. a little bit. If I know of a really great event that I think, you know, some of my other vendor folks would be great at, I'm, I'm certainly gonna try to get them there, you know. Right. So I, I like that spirit. It feels good. It doesn't feel like we're all out to, like, you know, take each other out or anything. That's really. not productive anyway. Yeah. No. We all, we all just, um, we all get better when we can help each other out, I think. So, yeah. What do you like to do for fun? I, that's funny. Um, I am a dance teacher. Oh, really? So that is, I teach belly dance. Really? I, yep. And I also like to work out a lot. And oh. so um, I have a whole kind of like movement-based health and fitness sort of 
side of me. Um, and I, yeah, I teach classes. I teach um, stretch classes and workout classes and dance classes. And you know Amy Cottrell? I do. Amethyst? I do know Amethyst. Oh, okay. Yep. Her, her brother's a good, good buddy of mine. Okay. Yep. I do know Amy. She actually, when I moved back to town, she was the first. Um, the belly dance community is very uh, connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so she and she was the first belly dancer who you know reached out to me and said hi, welcome to Pittsburgh. Oh, I have this show. Maybe you want to perform sometime. La la la. That kind of thing. Right. Yeah, it was great. Um, so I do that for fun. I also really enjoy um, video games. Oh, do you? I do. I am a gamer. I've been a gamer my whole life. Um, I used to play a lot of D and D when I was younger. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons role playing. Um, and. I yeah, that's kind of what I do for fun. I like I like hanging out with friends. I like mm-hmm. making good food and eating good food and having good conversations. What's your favorite type of stuff to cook? I I, I get that question. You gotta get it too. So. You know what? I am a simple <laughs> I am a simple chef. I mm-hmm. like to make a lot of whole foods. I um my my significant other is a very simple taste kind of man. He's kind mm-hmm. of a meat and potatoes kind of guy. So um, I, I make a lot of food that, you know, that I know so like. Traditional Pittsburgh, yeah, let's traditional say. Pittsburgh kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, li- I like to make a lot of, I love baked chicken wings. I love, oh, really? yeah. I love wings. <laughs> and I love going out to eat and trying other people's wings and other mm-hmm. kinds of sauces and things like that. I really love wings. Yeah, they um, some good sauce. Yeah. yeah. And I love Mexican food, uh, and in my version of it, it's just some weird kind of like Dana fusion mess. <laughs> um, but I, I, it's one of my favorites to eat. I love, I have to be gluten free, so I eat a lot of um, corn and corn tortillas, and there's so many great things you can do with tortilla chips oh, and yeah. tortillas. I love things that have a vehicle. Yeah. Right. Um, I like food on sticks. Um, you know, why utensils? Um, I don't, again, I don't do a lot of, like, handheld sandwiches because I can't. If I could, I would. But, uh, so, yeah, I like to make a lot of salads. I love making cucumber salsa in the summertime. But, yeah, I eat a lot of whole, I eat a lot of whole food. I get a lot of, um, because I work at the farmer's market, too, I get a lot of fresh local stuff. And, um, yeah. Yeah, Great. what we have available is so much good stuff. Yeah. And so much good fresh stuff. And of course, the tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Year, tomatoes. yeah. It's great, yeah. yeah. Summertime, I love eating, like so many people, you know, I love eating fresh and raw. And as the season changes, I like to, you know, get more, like, hearty, hearty yeah. foods. Start, squash yeah. and all that good stuff. Start making roasted Today. squash and oh, stews. Pumpkin. Pumpkin yep. this, pumpkin that. I love it. Uh, anything you wanted to mention uh, before we wrap it up today? About mm. what, what folks should know about it? Any, uh, no, no, I feel like I coming up? I feel like I mentioned everything. You know, we're kind of coming to the end of our season. Yeah. We we stopped farmers market about a month earlier than everybody else because once October rolls around, uh, it's just not really ice tea or popsicle season anymore. So we we um, we stopped going. So we're going to, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what I would say is that September is our last month for farmer's markets for all the folks that 
like to come and visit us at the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. We will be here. Our products will be here at the public market. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's been about it. It's been a great summer. So we still have a presence here in the market all winter? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the plan mm-hmm. anyway. So um, we'll see how that goes. I mean, at least through the holiday season, I'd like to – I'd like to do that and make it work. Um, now, you're here every day that the market is open. Mm-hmm. Right? So that is Wednesday through Wednesday through Sunday. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, we. Um, it's been a great busy summer. We're going to kind of slowly start. We're doing a ton of harvesting right now. Mm-hmm. So we're going to kind of make the move for the next couple months to, you know, harvest and put the farm to bed a little bit. We've... Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we're working on. We've had a whole side of the farm has been fallow all season, and so we're going to do the things we need to do for that to let it winter over and be able to um, get it going in the spring. Cool. So, yeah, I don't have any events coming up off the top of my head. But you got enough going on. you got enough going on. <laughs> no check, us out at the, check us out at the public market. Go check out the products that, you know, go have a drink at Fantasy Bar and Cafe de More. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for being a great guest today on Book Speak today, Dana. Dana Lamias from Hillcrest Urban Farm over there in Garfield and here at the Pittsburgh Public Market every day, Wednesday through Sunday and various locations around the time. You just go to the website. Your website, once again, is? Uh, HillcrestUrbanFarm.com. www.HillcrestUrbanFarm.com. All one word. And catch, and catch the really cool pictures on it. Just, just awesome. And uh, your, your writing on it, too. It's very good, too. Oh, good. Thanks. Uh, I also want to mention before I, I wrap it up for today's show, uh, I saw today that on CBS Sunday morning, I was watching a little that today, and it was about Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert is coming back. I'm a big Stephen Colbert fan, so he's taking David Letterman's place on Tuesday night. It's, it's already in the uh, same theater. They read the theater and everything, so one of my favorites is coming back Tuesday night, Stephen Colbert. Really, really looking forward to that. And I also wanted to say I saw the public markets manager here today, uh, Terry, uh, Wednesday. Terry's only will be his last day. I wanted to uh, say, I think I could say on behalf of all the vendors down here at the market, thanks for everything you did here, Terry. And you just, you just really changed the place. He's just unbelievably hard worker, great guy, true Pittsburgher, socially conscious, uh, super Super guy, really, and uh, place is going to miss you. Wish you nothing but the best. Thanks for letting me sit here every week and uh, blather on like I sometimes do. But uh, thanks for all your hard work and dedication. And uh, you're one of the people that make this town special, I'll tell you, because you know, some people can just be like a blowhard, you know, about things. But you get things done and you treat people well. And there's a lot to be said that we need more people like you. So good luck in whatever you do, God bless, and uh, thanks, Karen. And thanks to Dan. Thanks for being a great guest today on Book Week. Thank you. Thank you. So, so, I'm glad you had fun. I always do, especially with great guests like you. Thank you. Um, I guess next week I'm still working on a couple weeks. Last Sunday in September, though, is an old buddy, Jim Fry. He runs foodvigilante.com. And he uh, did that a few years ago, put it aside for a while, but he's back doing it again. It's pretty, pretty good stuff. So check that out, foodvigilante.com. Uh, Jim Fry is doing yeah. writing on that. And uh, it brings up some good stuff, some interesting stuff about food. So uh, thanks once again to Dana from Beelcrest Urban Farm here at the Public Market. Check it out and the website. And see you next week, folks. This is Jeff Tomto for Book Speak. Bye.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.